that makes me feel guilty because I don't want to use my rich husband's money. Wait, no, that's not the question, was it? Uh, I, I guess you can turn it into that. Welcome back, my little beans, to another episode of I've Been Thinking, a podcast where two besties talk about our life growing up as second-gen immigrants in a world where we don't even know what's going on. So I'm your host, Vilana, and with me is the lovely... Evan. So Evan, lately I have been thinking about how job hunting is literally an Olympic sport. I don't understand how people do it. I hated doing it. Why do we have to do it? No, it sucks. So, for those of you who are listening, if you are one of those people who have graduated from school, or you are currently in school, but you gotta find a way to make some money, you'll understand the amount of stress that goes on with looking for a job. So, in both of our cases, we have been working all throughout university. How do you manage having a job while still being in school how did we manage looking back honestly i just cried a lot of the time this is what happened so when i started university excluding my one year in college just straight into my university program i was working three jobs three part-time jobs while doing full-time school i remember working probably like two at a time yeah it was definitely hell (laughs) looking back but i feel like that kept us busy like just having a packed schedule you just have momentum and you just like go at it it forces your brain to not think i guess in my case not thinking is a very good thing because i will overthink (laughs) but it's also it's a it's Okay, the work that I did, so I was like a music teacher. I also worked in a dry cleaners and alteration store. It was all simple work that I didn't have to think about. Of course, like when you're teaching kids, you do have to think. But it it was like beginner violin classes. Not much thinking. I just have to teach basic theory and make sure that they understand which string is which. It's very, very simple work. But... The more that I worked throughout university, the more that I thought that maybe I should just be a stay-at-home mom, okay? Like, I don't need to work for the rest of my life. Do I really have to work? I just want to have kids. I'm kind of the opposite. I don't see myself as a stay-at-home mom. I like I like being busy and doing things. I enjoyed my work because it was, um, like, I did event planning, and then I also did retail, and then I did marketing as well, and it was very... Um, like there was always something new to look forward to while on the job so i felt like i was kind of it wasn't necessarily project to project all the time but it was like there was also always something to strive for it wasn't repetitive work so i felt like okay i was okay just think about this when you're a stay-at-home mom you just gotta take care of all the chores in the household the mopping the dishes the laundry the cleaning the bathing your children making sure your kids go to school that's that's actually a lot of work actually stay-at-home mom is a real job it is a real job but at the same time the only people you're gonna talk to are the parents of your kids' friends and your kids maybe your partner (laughs) don't know the situation there but that's it you don't have to deal with annoying customers unless your kids are gonna become your annoying customers and that's just a different story that we gotta talk about but There's no resume involved. 
no interview involved. You just have your kids and you raise them. No, I get it. I get where you're coming from. But for me, it's like more or less very routine life. And I don't really like surrounding myself with the same social circle. So I feel like at like at work, like at work environments, you're able to surround yourself with different social circles in terms of like dealing with customers or clientele. I feel like if you surround yourself with the same social circle that like involves other stay-at-home parents of your children's your children's friends' parents, like your your <laughs> your son or your daughter's mom or dad, um it's just you and your partner. I don't know. I feel like I would be stuck in the same circle and I would hate it. Okay, but just just think about this though. Okay, if our group of friends all had kids and then we all decided to be stay-at-home parents, our circle's just going to be the same. It might expand with our kids' as friends' parents. Yeah, no, I get it. I just, I just don't see myself as that stay-at-home mom. <laughs> I just want to have kids. Well, speaking of kids, marriage and future plans. That's a that's a thing that we're going to talk about because that also goes hand in hand with job hunting because when you get married, are you going to have that 9 to 5 job? Are you going to Yeah. What are you going to do? I know. I feel like I feel like in every Asian household, after you graduate and get a job, your parents are like, "So uh so when are you finding a partner? When are you going to get married? When am I going to have grandkids?" And you're like, "What the hell?" Like <laughs> Relax. I just, I'm just starting off my life. If we if we turn life into a video game, this is what it's gonna be. Finding a job is the mini boss because you gotta secure that job to find your husband, which is the ultimate. No, no, that's not the ultimate boss. That's another mini boss you gotta you gotta tackle. The ultimate boss is bringing that husband to your parents and having them approve. <laughs> it's like it's like if you don't approve you like failed that challenge so you gotta like restart that that whole challenge again <laughs> which reminds me i don't know i think this is like an anime thing but a lot of animes that are slice of life it'll be the person jumping job to job to find a new partner because the partner their previous partner didn't please their parents or something or like they weren't good enough for the family so they got to start all over and i was like well is this an actual thing is this real life is my life gonna be like this damn makes me wonder if i was a parent what would i do no i'd probably tell them i don't like their partner if they bring someone home that i don't like oh yeah i would do that too you if want i don't that? like them i'm gonna say it no it's either gonna be my child you could do better or i go to my child's partner and be like so what attracted you to my child's crazy? Yeah, I'd be like, mm, you sure about this choice? I think you can do better. <laughs> I mean, like... My son or daughter... She dresses up <laughs> as a bat. And she's 13. She likes to dress up as a bat and jump on houses. Are you sure about this? But you encourage that behavior, so... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I do. Like, the other day, I was literally on the roof of my house just chilling. And my parents couldn't find me. They had to call me to come inside. <laughs> like (laughs) but yeah back to job hunting what was or what is your least favorite part of job hunting everything well i guess mainly the interview because i feel like 
it doesn't really give an accurate representation of yourself, you know? It's like your worth ethics versus like what you can BS in 30 minutes through a conversation with someone. I suck at interviews. I don't know about you. I'm terrible at selling myself. Well, me at interviews, I just bring my crazy but dial it down a little bit. So I remember, actually, no, when I got my first job at a music school, I got it through connections, basically, because my voice teacher used to work there. And then she was like, hey, we're hiring for a violin teacher. And I know that you finished all of your RCM credentials for violin. So basically, Canada runs with the RCM system, Royal Conservatory of Music. And it's basically a grade level system. I finished the... 10 grades I didn't go beyond that because I didn't want to do music for the rest of my life but by the time you reach grade 10 you're pretty I would say you're pretty good at it you should be pretty good at it yeah I mean so I finished that all that year all of those many years doing it oh yeah (laughs) you better be good (laughs) (laughs) plot twist I actually suck so I that's how I got the job I did my interview but the owner of the school already knew who I was so all I had to do was a practical which is basically just perform perform a few songs and that was it and then she was like hey I know that you can play I've known you for like 10 years now we're just gonna hire you and I'm like okay cool so that's how I got my first job Mm, damn pretty lucky yeah, I was very lucky. But other than that, when it comes to job interviews and stuff like that, it's okay. I mean, I like to think I'm okay at it. I go into, it's like I go into these these interviews thinking I'm going on like a speed dating session or something. Mm-hmm. I always turn it into what can you do for me rather than what I can do for you. Because they read my resume. They know what I can do. If they didn't read my resume, then I'll give them, I always bring a copy of my resume and ask them what they can do for me i guess i don't know what's your strategy when you go in i do agree with you with the low expectation just going in like without any expectations and just being like okay like i'm just here to have a conversation with the other person to learn more about the company to really figure out if i'm gonna be a good fit you know um Mm -hmm. like because it's a two-way street you know it's not just you selling yourself to the other person And I feel like when you go in with that mindset, you get better results because you're less nervous and you, it just goes by much smoother. I also research about the company too. And then like, I kind of bring like a couple of questions I had in my head. And if they didn't answer that, then I'll ask them. So you like really get a few for what the company is like and what it means to be working with them on like a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's basically it. When you go in with, little to no expectations i feel like it's way better yeah i agree with you on researching the company and thinking and taking the conversation as if it is a two-way street of what they can do for you and what you can do for them because at the end of the day if you are going to do work for this company but you hate the environment and you hate the people it's not worth it Mm. it's not worth it so there have been so many situations where I absolutely hated the workplace. Mm-hmm. There, are, There's going to be other companies just like them. It's okay to leave. And I also feel like, well, it depends because every company structure is different. But most or some companies, they would have a different team hiring 
Like it'll be like an mm-hmm. HR team hiring and then you'll actually, the team you'll be working with is a, like a different team. So sometimes the people that are hiring you, you get a different feel for what the company's like. And then the people you're actually working with is also a different feel. Mm-hmm. It can be a good thing. You're gonna be like, oh, actually, like this is way better. Like I vibe with this company. I vibe with this team. Like I'm good, right? Or it could be vice versa where you're like, I prefer the HR team over the team that I'm currently working with. You know, so it's it's kind of tricky in that sense. If you're applying for more, I guess bigger level companies. Have you ever applied to one of those bigger companies before? Um, yeah, I done it in the past. So it was a little bit strange. They had a third party to do their hiring for them. So then when I came in, the person who's interviewing me didn't even know who I was. So it was a completely different person than the one who I was exchanging emails with and who like set up like a date and stuff and like who actually went over my like resume. So. I came in, like, they didn't even know anything, and they were just like, oh, okay, hi, how's it going, and stuff. And then I was like, okay, this is a little strange. But then I ended up vibing with them, but then I didn't even work with them directly. I worked with, like, another team. Anyways, that job didn't work out, but it was a really strange process, and it was the first time it happened to me, so I was like, oh, okay. Because usually what happens in other places I worked for, I would be interviewed by the person who I'm like actually part of the team with, right? You're like, oh, hey, like I'm so-and-so, I'm like part of so-and-so's team. I'm looking for people who to work in my department, you know? So it was a very strange process, but I was like, oh, good to know that uh, there's different hiring methods out there. Yes, there are. I took a class on HR. I don't remember any of this. However, I know that there's a process of how to hire. If you quiz me on this now, I will not remember a single thing. I apologize, my HR professor, for not remembering this. I have my exam notes beside me right now because (laughs) I now use that notebook for work. (laughs) But just in case I need to to know my rights as an employee, I just got to flip back some pages and all my notes are there. Yeah, I took a couple of HR courses too. I really enjoyed them. But I've gotten different response from other people who've taken them. I feel like HR is a hit or miss depending on the person because there's so much. Because HR basically just acts as a middle person. Like, they don't have that much power. It's a nice balance in between. So you're like, you got to please your employee, but you got to please your employer too. It sounds so stressful. It's like you're in the middle of a sandwich and you know how like you pull... A sandwich apart and all the condiments inside don't know which bread piece to, to stick, stick to so they kind of <laughs> so they fall <laughs> so everything just falls because they don't know what to stick to it's kind of like that it's like, uh, i'm just gonna choose to land on the plate <laughs> <laughs> i mean if i could do that for the rest of my life that would be lovely because i am so tired of updating my resumes i'm so tired of having typos on my resume because for some reason there's always some sort of typo on my resume and I don't know why it's there because I know that I typed it right but when I turn it into a pdf it's wrong and I question what my laptop is doing to my resumes 
I mean, alternatively, you can not work, not be a stay-at-home mom, and just work for yourself. I mean, yeah, but that makes me feel guilty because I don't want to use my rich husband's money. Wait, no, that's not the question, was it? Uh, I, I guess you can turn it into that. Here's the thing. If I'm working, I mean, yeah, but it's a lot of work setting up your own business, and then if I do end up marrying rich, I feel bad using my partner's money to fund everything for me but at the same time i do want to marry rich so i don't have to work i don't know it's a push and pull situation i don't get it i don't know what happens in my brain it's like one minute i want to marry rich and the next i don't but are you gonna view it as like uh like this is our money because we're in a marriage together are you gonna view it as like uh your money and my money separate you know what i mean see yeah, okay, that's the part I don't understand about marriages. Like, to married couples out there, how do you manage your money? I don't get it. I don't understand how my parents do it because I just don't get it. I know from my parents, it's more of, like, our money. And it just works better that way because they pay the bills together. You know what I mean? But some people, mm-hmm. like, for example, I would think that if I were to get married, my partner and I wouldn't have that. Like, we would probably have one account to, like, pay our bills, but we would have separate account, like, personal accounts. And it'll be, like, your money versus my money. And then our money will be stuff for, like, for our future, like, down payment for a house together, things like that. Interesting. See, I don't know how my parents do it. I don't know, because at home, all I see is my mom paying the bills and the house is under my mom. All of the other real estate is under my mom. My mom pays for the hydro and the electricity and everything. And then once a month, my mom will just go to my dad and be like, hey, you owe me this amount of money. And then he'll just give it to her. Interesting. Interesting. So I don't I don't understand because like on TV, I'll see couples. I remember when I was a kid. No, wait, what was that one show? I forget what it is. But there was a couple. They opened a shared account. And then a month later, they got divorced and they tried to split the shared account, but they couldn't do it. But 10-year-old me at the time was like, why would you have a shared account in the first place? That means you have to share your money. I think I think having a shared account is a good thing because there's a lot of bills you got to pay together. But I don't think yeah. having one shared account and having the that as your main account is necessarily, a, like for me at least. You know? Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a good thing either. But some people, they just, it's easier for them for that, you know? Yeah. I think for me personally, it's going to feel like micromanaging because you're both going to see the statement and then you're going to start questioning like why you're spending money on this and why the why your partner's spending money on that. I don't mm-hmm. know. It feels weird. I don't know. I, I guess it depends on the person's preference, you know? If I end up marrying Rich, would I have a shared account? I mean, I think that's a good thing. Anyway, back to back to job hunting. How long does it usually take you to write your resume? I feel like I don't necessarily write my resume anymore. I just kind of update it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't yeah. I don't remember how long it took me to write my first resume. But I felt like a while since I was like did not know what I was doing back then. You're, I was probably in like grade nine or something. And you're like, what is our resume? How do you write it? I just remember careers class in grade 10 where we had to write mock resumes and cover letters. My mom kept a copy of them 
and she's like, you can use this for future reference when you do actually get a job. Plot twist, I no longer, well, I never used it as a reference to make my resume because it was trash. Yeah, it's so trash. That, oh my gosh, those resumes in that class? No, sir. <laughs> Absolutely not. Did you have to do mock interviews in grade 10? I took that class or online, so I didn't, but I think you did if you took it in class. Yeah, so I took it in class. We had to do mock interviews, so we were put in groups of four, and one by one, you would ask questions to the interviewee, but it was very weird because, A, you didn't know what company you were supposed to be role-playing as because the teacher didn't tell you and then you all have the same list of questions in front of you to ask your interviewee mm -hmm. and i just remember it being what made you want to apply to this company how do you think you fit in questions like that very open-ended questions i just remember one kid being like i'm here because i was told i have to answer questions yeah and that was his answer to one of the mock interviews and i started laughing so hard like poor guy he's just like i just want to pass this damn class man he's like i just want to i just want an a i heard this class was easy it's mandatory i just want to finish it yeah school doesn't actually prepare you for real life have you ever heard that it's the people you know that are going to help you get to where you are yeah, your your net worth, your net work is your net worth. Yes. How do you feel about networking? Mm, I'm not really a fan. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. So I went to a university who likes to, they like to say that they are the best at networking. And ever since first year, they would have networking events, multiple networking events. And it was absolutely horrible being a 17, 18 year old thrown into university. You barely know who you are. And all of a sudden you're talking to an HR representative of a company and they're asking you what you want to do when you grow up. And you're like, play Legos. <laughs> you're like, I don't know, man. I just want a job. But what are what are your experiences with networking? I've been to a couple of events like that and I worked um, in environments where you had to network a lot. There's pros and cons. I Let's start off with the cons. Like I hate how fake everyone is because mm -hmm. every everyone's there for a purpose and it's just to sell themselves and to sell their company or position or whatever they have to offer. So it's to a certain level, it's very fake. But you do meet some genuine connections that you like agree with their work, what they want to represent, you know, what they're actually doing and also like their personality, their vibes on like a more personal level outside of like just their work. So there's pros and cons to that. Like I've definitely met people that I was like, oh, this is super cool. Yeah, you know, like I vibe with you. I think your work is pretty cool. But then they're, on the other hand, I also feel like there's people that are very pushy you know i know it's disgusting have you ever gotten a job through your network though i've gotten offers but after i went to the interviews i think i declined them nothing personal i, j I just felt like i wasn't a fit for the company like if 
if I were to be in that or that position per se, like if I were to work in there, I wouldn't be happy or, or like that's not the type of um, connection I'm looking for, you know? Mm-hmm. In that case, what would your ideal company be? I think I value creative freedom and flexibility and a good work-life balance. Probably those would be the most important factors I'm looking for. And also growth, room for growth as well. I don't think I would like to be stuck in the same position for a long period of time. Yeah, I I understand that. And I always find it so difficult to how somebody would navigate either moving up in a company or moving around to a different department in a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, well... On the other hand, I feel like if I were to be in a place that's very structured, it would have to be like like a well-known company that has been practicing their craft for years and they like got it down. This is the best and ultimate way to like execute their craft. And then at that point, it'll be like, okay, my path is basically laid out for me. I got to do A, B, C, D to get to like a higher level. And it's okay mm-hmm. because like that craft and like, what they're doing like it stands and aligns with like you as a person you know so at that point i'll be like this is this is easy i can see where my future is gonna head and it's it aligns with what i want to do what i like do you see yourself going to more networking events in the future i probably do just because i mean you got to do what you got to do right (laughs) like at, at some point in your life you are going to have to go to these networking events again (laughs) so for my last year of university i went to so many networking events i literally went to at least three in the year but every single week was full of coffee meetings Mm -hmm. with one of the people that i met at these networking events and it got to the point where i was just reciting a script to every single person they would be tell me about yourself and I'm like okay starting from the top here's my monologue let's go yeah see that's what I hate like every time I go into these settings I would have to be like okay breath in breath out okay and then just put on like a face and be like I have answers to whatever questions you're gonna ask me like it's already pre-written down you know and you got to do that for every single person you meet there's so much to prep and there's so much you have to remember because every time you go to these networking events, you always target at least three that you want to talk to. Mm-hmm. So like they can be like a dream company or an ideal company you want to work with. With me, I remember. So I volunteer mainly at animation festivals and animation networking events. Every time I went, I always updated my resume before going, have new business cards printed out. So the branding looks the same as my resume. Staple them both together. It's so much time and money to pay for the paper and like to get your business cards printed. And then you go to the event and hunt down these companies. And I don't even know what the representative looks like. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a booth set up, like a job fair usually is how every single company has a booth and you the one by one you would stand in a line and one by one talk to whoever is there Mm -hmm. sometimes it's not even a department that you want to work in it's something completely different and you're just like well you can't answer my questions because you 
don't know what I want to do. So there have been some instances where they would get lead animators to go to these events. But me wanting to work in production, they weren't able to answer a lot of the technical questions that I had for them because a lot of people just go to them asking for feedback on their animation reels or their portfolios. So me coming in and being like, hey, what business skills do you need? They're just going to be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's not part of their department, right? So then yeah, they would have to refer you back to someone else who's like part of that department. And sometimes it's like, I feel like people have, you know, you would have the best interests of the other person. But at the same time, it's like out of their their job description per se. It's like, okay, it's something I got to go like above and beyond for, but it's not really my job. So they don't, most of the time, some people wouldn't put effort into it, you know? They'll be like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't answer your question. And then that's it. It would take a lot of work for them to be like, I can't answer your question, but let me refer you to someone who can after this event, let's say. Like, I'll, I'll get you two connected. Yeah, and there's also no guarantee that they're gonna refer you or connect you to someone else because it's such a big event like they're not gonna remember you you're n- a lot of people will say you have to try to make yourself memorable at these events here's the thing there's over a thousand people attending these events they're not gonna remember you yeah it's so as much as they want to tell me that i know that they're not going to i'm just another face mm-hmm. it's really dif- difficult like even if you had a good impression of you had a good interaction with them it is probably hard for them to remember you too if you were in that Mm -hmm. position you'll be like i could go through like thousands of faces like how am i supposed to remember people and it it could be for the randomest reason too it'd be like i remember that person because they were wearing a bright pink shirt you know and it has nothing to do with what you say it's just like i just remember that shirt vividly in my head like that's Mm -hmm. it so it's very hit and miss What's funny is my tactic to these networking events is because my voice is already pretty high pitched. Mm -hmm. I just make it go even higher. So when I go to meet these people and I'll send them, I get their email. Hopefully I get their email. It's a hit or miss whether you get the email or not because you have to make a really good impression. But I'll send them an email about three days following the event and be like, Hey, I met you at this event. I'm this girl, the one with a really high-pitched voice. I hope you remember me. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, the one that sounds like a chipmunk. Yeah, of course I remember you. <laughs> You're like, make That's a brand job. of yourself already. Yeah, just make my voice three octaves higher than it usually is, and then they'll remember me. But speaking of personal branding and networking and getting noticed, have you ever had those classes in business where they teach you about personal branding, like how to update your LinkedIn and have it follow with your Instagram and your Facebook because you are your own brand and that's what you're selling. Honestly, I don't think I've ever taken a class like that. Oh, well, now I'm disappointed. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was integrated in a lot of our entrepreneurship classes mm. where here's the thing. I don't like it when my life is public. I don't like it when strangers know every single detail about my life this is why i feel very bad for celebrities whenever they have the moment a tabloid comes on and it's a oh my gosh this person is dating this person like no just leave them alone i don't understand why people do it like i understand 
being obsessed and you want to know about your celebrity's life and it makes you feel closer to them, yeah, that's a-okay. But at the same time, they're a person too. Give them some privacy. Yeah, I feel like once it's very easy to forget like that human side because you're so used to viewing celebrities as like their job involves so much more outside of their line of work, you know? Their jobs involves like sharing every aspect of their life when in reality they're like more of an entertainer. Yeah. Like a singer or something, for example. But yeah, anyway, I just remember in these personal branding classes is you have to choose one aspect of your life, play it up, and that's going to be the rest of your life. And I'm like, whoa, that's not cool. I don't like that. You probably have these classes since your program is more arts-based as well. My program is just strictly business-based, so I feel like there's a lot more technical classes than creative classes. Yeah, I just remember her telling us how to create a LinkedIn profile and what we should be putting in our LinkedIn profiles. Here's the thing about LinkedIn. I hate LinkedIn. I really hate it. If you use it to update your career achievements, then yeah, absolutely go for it. And I do know that a lot of employers will go to LinkedIn and see basically your resume. But I don't like how people basically use their LinkedIn as their life. They they try to spin it in a way to make it very personal. Like you know those you know those recipes that you try to find online and it starts with a blurb about how the pie is so important to them and their family and like the entire life story of how they had their first taste of pie and then it became their entire business and then from that business it expanded into an orchard and now they own this entire property to make pies and then after 3,000 words they get to the recipe that's what I feel LinkedIn is yeah there's a lot of what's my backstory how can I sell myself to people you know get to the point and then I'm gonna leave I don't I don't even check my LinkedIn anymore because I hate it so much Mm -hmm. but I also hate how like random people add you like for example if we were classmates back in I don't know like high school or whatever why would I add you in LinkedIn if I don't talk to you anymore unless we work in the same field and then like there's a connection there you know I feel like a lot of people just add everyone and then It could be a pro or a con for you, you know, like on one hand, you can expand your network and like, let's say you, you want to switch careers or like industries and stuff and you're looking for people outside of it, you know, so you're reaching out to like people, you know, who's in industries you want to work with. But on the other hand, I feel like if you just add everyone and like not really be selective, it's kind of going to damage your reputation because like, why do you have random connections if you don't work in that field? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I remember there was this human that I did not like who tried to connect with me on LinkedIn. And I kept saying decline. And they kept trying to connect. This was multiple times. And there was one day they confronted me and they were like, how come you won't accept me as a, as a, as a connection on LinkedIn? And I said, I don't really know you. So I don't know why I would connect with you. 
I understand that LinkedIn is for building connections and stuff like that. And every so often I do connect with people I don't know because they have a position at a studio that I really want to work at and I will connect with them for that reason. Mm-hmm. However, with this person, I really did not like this person, did not want them in my network because I don't want people associating me with that person if they ever do go through my links in. And it's also, I don't have anything good to say about you. Yeah. See, that's why you got to be selective with your LinkedIn connections because it not doing so, you'll damage your reputation. If they have bad work ethics, for example, or they don't necessarily work in a field or position that can advance you in your career, why bother having them in your connection? Or or it's just some random stranger. It doesn't make any sense. Like you, There has to be a purpose why they're in your connection, like in your network. Mm. And most, I feel like most people are just trying to add a lot of people or connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn to have that like 500 plus. So they're like, look at me, I have a big network. I hate that. I just hate network. I hate meeting people in general. I just feel like networking and job hunting is a bigger deal than people make it out to be. Like it shouldn't be this difficult. It shouldn't have to be oh, I know this person and this person and this person. Like the fact that you have to name drop when you go to interviews or when you go to networking events so that you can impress people. I I find that absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I've also been on the other side where like I would be in charge or like participating in the hiring process and a lot of people would do the same as well they would like name drop or they would be like i've done this before with this person and i i get it in a sense but it it does really suck because once or at least the encounters i had where people did name drop i was like i don't even like the person you just named they have poor worth ethnics like they don't add value to the company, you know, things like that. So I'd be like, you just kind of shot yourself in the foot, you know? You played yourself in not getting the position because you're name dropping. I know. And whenever you do name drop, it's such a hit or miss. Like you said, it's you can either love them or you hate them. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that we have gone to the point where name dropping either becomes an advantage or a disadvantage to you compared to somebody who does who has not worked with said person is so unfair to all of the other pool of applicants that could be an amazing addition to the workplace but just because they didn't work with that person they don't get the job yeah it really sucks there's so much bias in the hiring process that it absolutely sucks for people who like Let's say they don't have experience and don't have connection, but in reality, maybe a better fit. Like they don't get the chance to do so. And sometimes you're stuck in that position, you know? I know. I just wish we live in a world where, you know what? How about we just go back to the bartering system where all you have to do is trade to live your life. You don't need currency. Like you don't need money. Here's a towel. Will you please give me an apple? That's interesting, but I feel like there's so many there's so many transactions and so many level of transaction being processed that if we were to go back to that time, it'd be impossible to be efficient in business. This is why closing dates are a thing. <laughs> you got to close a date, okay? No, it's going to be like an auction. So, 
I have, I have, I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> I have 10 oranges and I know that there are three islands that are missing oranges. Okay. Mm-hmm. What are you going to trade me? Let's say I'm missing peaches. So Island One is offering me peaches mm-hmm. in exchange for my oranges. That is very enticing. But the next island is going to be like, oh, I have 3,000 bells. And I'm like, okay. However, I do need the peaches, though, to complete my island. Island three, maybe they have the villager that I really, really want. Mm -hmm. I want to fill my island with cats. So maybe they have all the cats. So they're going to be they're going to offer me all of my all of the cat villagers. And I'll be like, oh, I don't know. Do I go with the peaches or the cats? Yeah, you. That's the system I want to live by. And then you got to be like, is Peaches offering me a better deal or Cats offering me a better deal? Or if I wait, maybe I'll get better deals from both parties. See, that's the life I want to live by. And then there's always got to be a closing date or else the transaction's going to go on for way too long. So let's say I only have 20 minutes to make the decision. Am I going to do the Cats or am I going to do the Peaches? I mean, like, I can always find Peaches. So I'm going to go with the Cats. But can you, though? Can I? That's the big mm-hmm. question. Tell us in the comments below. Would you trade for the peaches or would you trade for yes. cat villagers? Let us know. But we are out of time. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Job hunting is horrible. For all of you humans currently job hunting, we wish you luck. Best of luck at all of your networking events, updating your resumes, all of your interviews. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on our Instagram at ibeenthinking.podcast. This is Vilana. This is Evan. Have an amazing day slash night slash midday, I guess. Bye!